We need to know in the 21st century that, first of all, God has not changed his mind about the ordinance of marriage. We live in a society where everything seems to be turned on its head. And there are opinions and ideas and lifestyles and societal shifts uh, that are fearful, absolutely fearful, and are destructive in our society. We are seeing the harvest of sin all around us, where lives are broken, families are shattered due to loose living, Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and it's a joy again to bring the message of God's Word to you today. We're going to Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to take a look at faithfulness in marriage. I never thought I would live to see the day when I would have to define that marriage is a contract between one man and one woman. We are living in times when marriage is being questioned on all sides, and every Christian is called to faithfulness in marriage. And that, of course, is the great application of the gospel. When the Lord redeems us and saves us from our sins, he makes us new people. We are born again, born of the Spirit, so that we walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. And therein lies the victory of a new life and of being the kind of husbands and wives that we need to be. And so I pray that today, as we turn to Proverbs chapter 5, that there will be a message here for your heart, and that we each will know how to live for God faithfully in marriage. Stay tuned as we move now to our pulpit to let the Bible speak. Back to Proverbs chapter 5, and our text today is verse 15. But it's one of those texts that really just focuses on the issue of the chapter and helps us to focus on where we're going today in our message. Proverbs 5, verse 15, Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. If you were living in Bible times and you had your own well, the last thing that you would want is for someone to be climbing the fence and coming over and using the water out of your well. Water was very precious. Water was scarce. Water was something that if you had your own supply, you would have been very careful about who you would be sharing it with, that you might supply your own needs first. And this language is used by Solomon uh, relating to faithfulness in marriage. Solomon warns young men of the lusts of the flesh, of the wandering eye and the wandering uh, soul uh, that sets your affections on one uh, that doesn't belong to you at all. Now, there is a man that stands out as one who uh, is a great warning to us, uh, and that is Samson. Uh, 
the man who could single-handedly slay a thousand Philistines by the jawbone of an of an ox, and yet he was single-handedly slain by the wily ways of a woman, Delilah. One of the great dangers to our Christian testimonies and to our walk with God is this infidelity, this wandering and the lusts of the flesh. The strongest of men, men in pulpits, men in seminaries, men in the places of service, men who were well-grounded in the Word, men who were privileged with a gospel heritage, and yet were slaughtered slain, brought down by giving in to the lusts of the flesh. If you look at chapter 7 and verse 26, you will see that this woman, this wicked woman, this lustful woman, it says, For she hath cast down many wounded Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. And sadly, the world has not changed since the days of Solomon, because human fallen, sinful human nature has not changed. And in our text, this exhortation, this plea, drink waters out of thine own cisterns, it likens this human need for relationship to thirst. Now, thirst is a strong craving. And likewise, this need in human relations between men and women is likened to a craving. It's very strong. It's very powerful. It is something that will either make or break your testimony and your life for God. And so this text is really a call to faithfulness in marriage. And the whole context of this verse, and when I say the context of the verse, everything that leads up to it and everything that follows after it is really a command and a call Firstly, to enjoy the privileges of marriage. This is God's provision. This is God's blessing. But be warned of unfaithfulness to the very boundaries of marriage. And we need to know in the 21st century that, first of all, God has not changed his mind about the ordinance of marriage. We live in a society where everything seems to be turned on its head, and there are opinions and ideas and lifestyles and societal shifts uh, that are fearful, absolutely fearful, and are destructive in our society. We are seeing the harvest of sin all around us, where lives are broken, families are shattered, 
due to loose living, to say the least. And so, when we come to preach the gospel, and there is nothing in the Bible that is not gospel-related, and your marriage is gospel-related, after all, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that there is a way for men to be right with God through the redeeming power of Jesus' blood. And thereby we need to walk in the light and to keep the Lord's word and his law. Live knowing what is well-pleasing unto God and what will bring upon us the very curse of sin. Now, this word applies to youth, and it will very much uh, impact upon the unmarried in our midst here today, because you are probably facing the greatest barrage of wrong thinking that Marriage is just an option. There is the temptation, and there is the thinking that you can have relations without marriage. And the Bible here is very, very careful to warn that you need to Guard your testimony, lest you enter into relations that are like drawing water out of someone else's well. This also applies to married men as well, because, in fact, I think specifically in this passage, the language applies to marriage, married men. Because God has given you your own wife. God has given you these privileges. Therefore, to drink water or to seek pleasure of another is to act to destroy and to ruin the blessing of marriage that God has given you. And just like Adam and Eve in the garden, there is forbidden fruit all around. And if you be tempted to follow after that forbidden fruit, oh, how the sting of sin and the ruin of that sin will impact upon your own life, your own soul, your own walk with God. There's also a word here to reassure wives, because every wife wants to know uh, that her husband is absolutely, totally, and unashamedly faithful to her in her marriage. God-fearing wives who would honor their marriage and seek to keep all sin out of their loving relationship, you will rejoice at this exhortation that men and your husband should drink water out of his own well and be faithful to you as his wife. 
And so faithfulness in marriage is the key, the theme that we have here in this passage. And I want to look at this today in a number of ways. First of all, faithfulness recognizes your own wife as God's gift to you. Faithfulness recognizes God's gift to you. Drink waters out of your own cistern. And in verse 18, you will notice that it says uh, that you are to uh, rejoice with the wife of your youth. This is God's order. It's his order in creation. It's not good for the man to be alone. God has ordained. He made Adam and Eve. He created them that they should be one, that they should cleave to one another, that that should become a sacred bond and covenant and providing all of their physical needs and procreation and for children. And as Paul put it in Ephesians 5, that they too shall be one, they shall become one flesh. It is a sacred, it is a, indeed a unique arrangement that God has given, because it is different from all other friendships and associations in the world. When two covenant together in marriage, they enter into arrangement that there's not another arrangement like it on the face of the earth. And so, marriage is to be guarded and protected. Now, I don't like preaching on the sensitive stuff. I don't like having to couch my terms very, very carefully. If I stutter and stammer a little bit here, please forgive me. But I am called to preach the Word of God. And I am uh, to set out what it means to drink water out of your own fountain and not of another. What does it mean to protect and guard your own marriage in real practical terms? Well, it means that anything that interrupts that special place in your heart for your wife is to be avoided and dealt with. Anything that interrupts that special love, devotion, attachment, and delight in your own spouse is to be dealt with. Any irritation, any ongoing sore, something that's un, not talked out, not repented of, not prayed over for healing, anything that causes your wife to be suspicious about your love needs to be dealt with. I think, and this is not a law, but I think it's wisdom, that the testimony, the practice of the American vice president, mm, Pence. Is it Mike Pence? What's his first name? Mike Pence? He has stated that he will not dine in the single company of another opposite sex, a lady. 
uh, he feels that that is a breach of the promises and the special relation he has with his own wife. That's his position. I'm sure there would be times when that would be awkward, awkward to refuse. But if it is a position he's taken and acts consistently upon it, then certainly he's on the safe side and he's on the mark. And it's something that you should seriously consider. Any unwillingness to spend time and befriend and devote yourself to your wife, uh, that again is to be dealt with. And here I condemn myself, and I probably condemn every husband here in our church, because we all are busy. We all are pleaded with by our spouses to say, look, you have no time for me. Uh, do you have to go out? Do you must do you do this? And of course, we feel our obligations and duties to work and ministry and all other things that we're doing. And our wife is left, well, he has time for that and that, but not for me. And that is something, it is a walk that you must address. Our willingness to take on other things that spoil that special time together, unfortunately, is interpreted as the spouse or wife being in second place. That's how it is. And we either have to change it, explain it, come to some arrangement about it, that it doesn't become a lifelong irritant to create that degree of suspicion. Anything that causes a wife to be suspicious of her husband's faithfulness, that might fill her with fear, ought to be addressed. Now, there are practical ways to deal with this. I note that some people share emails. Probably a wise thing to do. Um, many have joint emails so that both are fully involved in who they're communicating with. Texts, not so easy. Um, long phone calls and all these kind of things. And men, this, this becomes a basis of fear. And your marriage will not thrive on fear. It must be on absolute faithfulness. And so the issue of this passage, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep my remarks, which I hope are practical and helpful, I'm trying to keep my pointers to men on target here in keeping with what this passage is addressing. This marriage, this passage of marriage is simply saying that you are to find every delight in your wife, and she's to know that. She's to know that. 
And that addresses so many of these things. Now, the question in verse 20 comes up, And why will thou, my son, be ravaged by a strange woman? Why? And it really comes down to the lust, the sinful nature that is within. Here's a question. If happiness and delight and satisfaction is found in your own wife, why turn to a stranger? Now, this can be turned right around to the wife's responsibility. If the husband is to be devoted and delighted and declare his total commitment to his wife at all times and in all situations, then also the wife is to ensure that she delights in the faithfulness of her husband and that she tells him so. Don't, ladies need to learn this too, don't assume your husband knows. Don't assume that he has that confidence. The nagging, unhappy, unfriendly wife at home, whatever is annoying her, will not build the confidence that she is living in the happy contentment, enjoying the faithfulness of her husband's love. And wives, as the spouse, as that complement to her husband, your role is to please your husband. Please him in all the roles of a wife. That your home is a happy home to come home to, a place of joy, a place of friendship, of support. And as I, I may be repeating myself here again, but I say it now, let your husband know that in this age of immorality, this age when there is so little fidelity in society, that you doubly appreciate the total commitment of your husband's love and friendship. And on that basis, and on that basis, and not only will your husband want to drink from his own cistern or well, but he will delight and feel rewarded in his own faithfulness unto you. I move to the second thing here today, and that is the alternative to faithfulness in marriage is to drink from immoral and impure wells. Now, how did I get that? Well, this passage talks about the strange woman, and she comes up again and again and again in these chapters 5, 6, and 7, and uh, she's a real problem. She is a problem in society. Look at this verse 20, and you will see her named here. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman? And the word strange means foreign and offensive. She is the woman of ill repute, and she preys on society rather than building it up. 
In real terms, she's the loose woman, the prostitute, the harlot. And yes, in our cities today, we have such women, whether it's in Vancouver, Surrey, Abbotsford, wherever you might live or go. These are issues of our day. And this is the woman that pulls down rather than builds up. She is a marriage wrecker, a home wrecker, and is out to destroy just for her own temporary gain. Now, how would I dare to come up with this? But if you look at verse 3 right down to verse 10, you have a very vivid picture of the ways of this strange, loose, harlot type. It says in verse 3, For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. All oh, the temptation, all oh, the appeal, the attraction, the drawing influence of this woman. But her end is bitter. And so the beginning, and, and I was just reading a devotional this week where Jesus turned water into wine. When the Lord commands us to live aright, the end is always better than the beginning. The wine comes later after the water. But sin is the opposite. It starts sweet and ends up bitter. And all oh, the man that gets lured into the ways of this strange woman who is drawn in by the attraction of the smoothness of things, the end is so bitter, so disappointing, so ruinous. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.